Welcome to the Authentic Life Podcast. My name is Satwa and I'm here to help you seek, speak, and live your truth daily. This podcast is for the sincere spiritual seeker who is ready to explore the deeper, sometimes uncomfortable truths of their psyche and spirit without the spiritual bypassing. I'm here to empower you with the psychological teachings and spiritual insights to help you live your most authentic life. I'm so excited to share this space with you. Thanks for pressing play. Let's begin. Hi, Seeker. Welcome. Welcome back if you're returning and welcome to new listeners. And there's quite a lot of new listeners since my last episode. So I'm really happy that you're tuning in. Um, I had some small shifts and pivots in my brand recently, pretty minor ones, but it did bring in some new folks who are interested in the conversations I've been holding around deconstructing the BS in the coaching industry. So I was previously deconstructing the BS in New Age spirituality and as the you know coaching industry space is an offshoot of New Age, um, there's a lot of crossover in some of the themes that come up. And one of the themes that New Age spirituality and the coaching industry has in common is the money cult. And that's what I'm going to be deconstructing in this episode. I've set the context for the money cult before in my previous posts on IG and also a little bit in my newsletter. So I'm not going to go too into the like socio-cultural and political context too much, but I am interested in deconstructing the psychoenergetics of how the money cult is sustained and maintained through our consciousness and how we might be consciously or unconsciously participating in those money cult dynamics as it's reflected in our own relationship with money and how this affects our growth, you know, whether that's spiritual growth, emotional growth, or financial growth, and then how we can start to unlearn some of those money cult dynamics that we may have internalized um, if, if, we, if we want to. So this is going to be a great episode. I'm excited to be talking about this because it's something that I feel it has not been addressed, and it's time. It's time to question and challenge the status quo of some of um, of some of these practices that we've been normalized or, or that we have normalized and that are actually pretty fucking harmful. So if, I don't know if you can tell from the energy of my voice, um, I'm recording it at the end of the day. So I'm a little bit more like chilled out, but um, I'm pretty fed up actually with what's happening I mean this this episode is being released after like a few weeks of deconstructing some of the like um 
pricing, the very uh, questionable and unethical pricing models and strategies and marketing tactics that are used in the coaching industry and um you know since having that conversation there's also been a lot of pushback from people who don't want to challenge the status quo in this way and i i'm kind of pissed off um i don't like what's happening i don't i don't um I don't like what the money cult has done to our society. I don't think that it has led to anything good and I'm not going to hide how I feel about it. Um, So, you know, I I think that other people are starting to catch on and they are also getting pretty pissed off um, because, you know, we see how how, how destructive it is and... If you don't know how destructive it is, then I hope that I can do a good job of communicating that in this episode and um, talking about some of the harm that is lurking underneath some of these dynamics. Looking back, I wish that people, more people talked about this because it might have prevented me from getting sucked into the money cult and losing my way because for me... Personally, I never had like a dysfunctional or disordered relationship with money. I mean, obviously, like we all have our money stuff that we work through. But um, I'm really fortunate in that I never had to experience any kind of like money trauma. Um, There was like a period of time where you know my family and I were experiencing some financial insecurity as most immigrant families experience when they're just establishing themselves in the new country but luckily my my family was able to make the best of what we had and even though like now as an adult I'm looking back and I'm like oh wow there there were moments there where we were really struggling I didn't feel that struggle when I was a kid like my family did a pretty good job of of protecting me and shielding me from all of that so I didn't like internalize any of that like scarcity and lack and all of that so money for me was never something that held much significance beyond like just being what it is a a resource for for goods and services. And so it was really interesting for me to go from that to having a pretty like disordered relationship with money when I fell into the money cult dynamics and then like waking up from that and realizing, wait, this is, you know, this is not, uh, this is not what I signed up for. This doesn't feel authentic to me. And then unraveling from all of that which was like a whole process in itself, um, was a journey. So I'm happy to share some of my insights with you um, that you might find helpful if you are also in the process of deconstructing or redefining your relationship with money in a way that is authentic to you. 
So quick announcement before we get into all of that. I just want to announce that I'm in the process of building my website at the moment where I'm planning on having a lot of deliverables like ebooks and courses and one-on-one consultations. But in the interim, you can engage with my content more intimately on Substack and Patreon. So my Substack and my newsletter is um, the like authentic life I'm sorry, my Substack and my podcast is the authentic life arm of my brand, uh, which is about spiritual growth or rather cutting through the BS um, and having a more grounded approach to spirituality. And then my Patreon is new and it's where I'm going to be making some bonus content around ethical entrepreneurship for folks who have an online personal brand or business and they want to learn skills in ethical leadership so it's kind of like personal development for entrepreneurs so definitely check that out if that feels relevant to you okay so whenever I talk about the money cult I'm talking about the manifest destiny prosperity gospel if you're not familiar with the prosperity gospel please check out the work of Rachel K. Albers. I will link her podcast in the show notes. She does an amazing job of deconstructing the Manifest Destiny Prosperity Gospel. But I'm just going to give you a brief overview. Basically, this is the doctrine that was used by white settlers when they came to colonize and rape and pillage native people and indigenous lands. Um, because they believed that they were the chosen ones for the promised lands and they were entitled to the lands. And that's pretty much how the American Dream narrative was born. And they used this narrative to inspire their Protestant work ethic because once they acquired all these new lands, they needed people to work on the lands, right? So the Protestant work ethic promised a direct link between uh, God and material wealth in which God rewards those who work hard and that reward shows up as material wealth. Um, and this, this is the myth of meritocracy. That's, that's kind of the, how, it took its, how it took root. So when you look at the sociocultural and political um, origins of the money cult, it's really this. It's, it's the prosperity gospel. And it's so inherently tangled in eugenics and classism, right? Prosperity gospel was also used in the American eugenics movement, to justify sterilizing people and um, enforcing what is known as social Darwinism, which is this idea that certain groups of people are more fit to survive um, the human race. So the prosperity gospel is deeply embedded in our social systems and institutions today. It is the fabric of what America is built on, uh, which is neoliberalism and individualism. Okay, this idea that the market is divinely ordered and it has a supernatural ability to correct itself. 
and everyone has an equal opportunity to be self-made in this kind of divinely guided economy, which we know is not true because there are real systemic and social barriers to wealth, wealth, right? So that doesn't mean that someone can't break through these barriers. It just means that there is no such thing as true meritocracy in the way that we practice capitalism today, right? As evidenced by the growing wealth gap, which in the U.S. is higher than most developed nations. So the prosperity gospel is uniquely American. And it speaks to American exceptionalism and superiority, which stems from these delusions of grandeur about being like the chosen ones and having a special special connection with God. And, um, we, you know, we're, we're seeing how that's playing out in the direction that we're headed in right now in our country, which is towards a theocracy. Pretty freaking scary. So this is our culture. This is our society. And I just want to mention like one point here that we're, we're going to circle back to this point um, when we talk about like decolonizing our relationship with money. But I just want to point out that it's really important. Like the reason why we set this larger context is because we cannot think of ourselves as operating outside of it, outside of the money cult, right? Like it might not affect us equally at equal capacity, but we do exist within these dynamics. So it's really short-sighted to see ourselves as separate from it. And we have to assume that each of us has internalized these money cult dynamics to varying degrees. And that's really the place to start. Because if you think that you are separate from it, then that's a, a potential blind spot that could be used against you. And like I said, we're going to come back to this point. So put a pin in it. But I will just say that you know, when we talk about what it means to have an authentic relationship with money, we're really talking about learning how to define ourselves within the money cult, not outside of it, because we cannot operate outside of it unless we completely dismantle it first. But until we do that, we have to learn how to function within it in a way that feels authentic to us. So we're going to get to that. So just like any cult... The money cult needs an object of excessive adoration and admiration for its members to idolize and idealize and identify around or organize around. And for the money cult, that's, that object is money. Money is placed on a pedestal. Money is sanctified, money is spiritualized, money is God. So the practice of the money cult is very much around money worship, which is a totally disordered relationship with money. 
And I've also talked about this before, how social media influencers are ambassadors of the money cult and they indoctrinate people into money cult ideologies and narratives that are either like completely false or they're half truths or near truths or truth lights or far truths. And one of the most pervasive narratives that the money cult ambassadors love to use is that money is just energy. And because energy is neutral and, you know, it's, it can neither be, it can, it, can, it can neither be created nor destroyed, there's like a limitless amount of it. And there's no such thing as scarcity. Scarcity is an illusion. And they always bring up this metaphorical pie in the sky. Um, you know, the idea that like there are unlimited pieces of the pie and we can all get our slice if we really wanted to. And people are really attracted to this because... I think it's because it gives us like the psychological illusion of control. Illusion of control is something that I've also talked about. So a lot of these themes, like I've already talked about them, but we're just like, we're just reinforcing it, right? So it's, it's, it gives us this psychological safety that we have control over something that we actually don't have any control over. Because the truth is that we live on planet Earth (laughs) where unfortunately resources are limited. And money exists because people have limited resources to trade. Like if resources were truly unlimited, then money would lose its power. Money would lose its meaning. There would be no need for money because people would just take what they want. But what this metaphorical pie-in-the-sky analogy fails to address is purchasing power. Purchasing power, which is the amount of goods and services that each individual can have um, or can access with the money that they have. And purchasing power fluctuates depending on the price of goods and services. So back in the 1950s, 60s or whatever we had a lot more purchasing power because we could buy a lot more stuff with less money than we do today and the more purchasing power you have the easier it becomes to make more money because money gives you access to resources and a bigger slice in of the pie So if money were truly an unlimited resource, then it would lose its value and we would all have equal purchasing power, which we don't. So the argument is complete bullshit, right? Money being an unlimited resource like that, it's a flat out lie. And and the narrative that money is just energy is a half truth. Because while it is just energy in like a metaphysical sense, like, okay, everything is just energy, sure. The way that we use money is not neutral. The way that we use money to establish power and control 
is not neutral. And that's what we're going to get into next. But I just want to highlight here like the cognitive dissonance that you have to engage in in order to convince yourself that money is just neutral while at the same time engaging in money worship. Okay. So for example, I'm going to play this clip for you by, uh, this is the manifestation babe. So I'm going to play actually two clips and we're going to talk about the like cognitive dissonance and the discrepancy between them. Money is a tool. It is a resource and tools don't have free will. Tools in itself are completely meaningless. In fact, everything is meaningless. We are the ones through our minds that give meaning to things. Okay, and then this one. Two, stop telling yourself that money doesn't love you. Money is obsessed with you. Money wants to be around you. It wants to be welcomed in. It just needs your invitation. Invite it by showing it how much you love to be supported by it. So, on one hand, Manifestation Babe is saying that money is a neutral tool. And on the other hand, she's saying money is obsessed with you. Okay? Neutral tools are not obsessed with you. You see, this is the way of anthropomorphizing money. And I kind of get what she's doing here. Like she's saying that ultimately we can give money or we can give meaning, uh, whatever meaning that we want to money, which is true. That's definitely the case. But she's telling you what that meaning is, right? She's making that meaning for you. And that meaning is that money has like, traits and emotions and intentions that are a match to traits and emotions and intentions of people who adopt these like quote-unquote money mindsets and those who adopt the money mindset will align vibrationally to the energy of money okay so if you're like new to this and you're like what are you talking about so I'm sorry. Like this is all like law of attraction stuff. But I think most of my listeners like they're pretty attuned to like what this is all about. And so I just want to invite people to see this as what it is. And it's funny like if you are new to this and you don't know about law of attraction like this will sound so just like out there, right? Because it is Because what this is, is literally psychological programming, which is intended to create, it's intended intended for you to create a certain relationship with money. In this case, money worship, which I said, it's it's a disordered relationship. So what she's actually doing is she's encouraging people to have a disordered relationship with money. And... I'm sorry, I don't think that's healthy or safe for anyone, but it's especially harmful for people who already have money trauma or financial insecurity. And this kind of messaging specifically targets people's vulnerabilities around money because the more financial insecurity you have, 
the more likely you are to make impulsive emotional decisions when it comes to money. And that's a consumer behavior trend that I'm going to touch on in a moment. But let's just break this down for the fun of it. Okay, so even if we go with the narrative or with the idea that money is neutral, it really loses its neutrality as soon as we give it a meaning. And the meaning that we give it is very arbitrary. Okay, we have collectively decided what meaning to give money, which is what makes money a social construct. So Money is neutral and because we have collectively given a certain meaning to money, money is a social construct. And social constructs are exactly that. They are arbitrarily agreed upon rules and ideas that we have accepted and normalized as true in our society. So there's really no such thing as being in alignment with wealth or money. It's more that you're in alignment with the social class of people who have more purchasing power. And how do you get into alignment with those people? Uh, Well, you are either born into it, you inherit it through generational wealth, Um, Or you make financially wise decisions by investing your money, which like it's hard to invest money that you don't have. Um, But you can always increase your financial literacy. Or I don't know, you hit the jackpot. What can I say? Our society does not make it easy for everyone to live comfortably because of how resources are like centralized or um, concentrated in the hands of a, of a few people at the top who control the flow of wealth to the rest of the public. So if resources were truly unlimited, then we'd all have equal access and there would be no need for like fighting over resources we wouldn't have class warfare and we wouldn't even have wars so anyone who teaches prosperity gospel is playing into money cult dynamics and is contributing to this inequality generating system that is just reinforcing wealth inequities in the world so I think it's just a matter of deciding like where do you stand in all of that and and what what are you choosing to align yourself with and whatever you choose is fine like I I always say this the, the 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 problem is not like in the choices that you make but in the in the um in the idea that like your choices are actually leading you towards accomplishing your right intentions or values. So like your goals in your spiritual practice, um, whatever they are, like it's important to make decisions that are aligned with that instead of leading you away from it. Right. I mean, it like if, if you want to feel like you're living an authentic and aligned life. Right. 
Like, I I honestly don't give a shit about how people live their lives. Um, I'm just, I'm concerned about my life. <laughs> and I can also appreciate that most of us are just doing the best we can to survive in this, like, fucked up system. But what I'm more concerned with is exposing some of these ideologies for what they are and helping people to critically think through them so that you can be more empowered in the choices that you're making as being aligned or misaligned with your spiritual values, right? But ultimately that decision is yours. I'm just here to give you information and to help you think um, through those decisions. So a central feature of the money cult is money worship. And like most cults, the money cult is organized around power and status. And I want to talk about the psychoenergetics of power and status. So even though money itself does not have like inherently, does not inherently have money and status, we have given it that meaning, right? So when we are engaged in money cult dynamics, it's very much a game of power and status where power is related to privilege and status is related to prestige. And this is what determines our place in the social hierarchy which determines our purchasing power and access to resources and people who are deep in the money cult will often go to great lengths to maintain their position of power and status in the hierarchy often at the cost of exploiting abusing and taking advantage of others So first we're going to talk about the psychoenergetics of power and then we're going to talk about status. So power, right? How does someone gain power over another person? Well, they either do it by physical force right, in the case of like actual physical um, abuse, attack. Or they do it through psychological manipulation in the case of emotional or psychological abuse. So obviously physical abuse is a lot more recognizable and obvious. But the psychological manipulation, which is a form of emotional abuse, is not as obvious and it's a lot easier to cover up. Psychological manipulation happens when a person, person A, has information that person B does not have and they use that information in a deliberate way that um, results in person A getting what they want. So person A uses person B's ignorance or lack of knowledge or information to their advantage. And this is a form of coercive control because it's designed 
to control or influence someone, someone's behavior to get them to do what you want. Which in this case of the money cult, it's getting them to give you money. And when person A is in the position of authority, then it opens up the door for abuse of power. Um, if they if they misuse their power, and I, and I talk about this in my in my last bonus episode on Patreon, the specific dynamics around abuse of power and leadership. Status is a little bit different because it's, I mean, it's related, but it's, it's, um, status is more related to prestige. So while power is more of like an outward expression, like, um, it's, it's, it's a way of using money to establish your position in the social hierarchy, um, status is more about how money makes you feel about yourself. And the psychology of money status, and this is, this is pretty interesting because it speaks to something that I've mentioned before about prestige sensitivity, which is a consumer psychology term. So prestige sensitivity describes consumers who evaluate the worth and like value of a product or a service based on its price where a higher priced good or service is seen as more valuable and a lower priced good or service is seen as less valuable. And this is a bias, right? Because rather than buying a good or service because um, they need it or they think that it's really valuable, they buy it because it gives them the psychological reward of status. Because these kinds of people equate money with status where um you know the more money the more status that money holds for you the more status you have so it's it's really like equating money with self-worth um or rather like how can I put this it's deriving your self-worth from your net worth you get what I mean? And this is this is of, often reflected in overconsumption patterns where we buy stuff that we don't need or we pay more for stuff because we want to feel better about ourselves. It's, it's like emotional overspending. And we all do this, right? Like I'm, I'm going to link some resources in the show notes. Um, but when it comes to like emotional overspending, Um, research has shown that like rich people and poor people overspend on luxury goods at about the same rate and the only difference is that um, the only difference is that it's a lot more expensive to be poor than it is to be rich and there's a really great like six minute video that I linked um, that that explains why this is so what these money cult ambassadors um, are doing when they tell you things like money is obsessed with you money loves you you have to love money so that it loves you back is that they are encouraging you to anthropomorphize money and have a disordered relationship with it because they're actually preying on the part of you that equates your self-worth with your net worth 
which is already fucked up like in and of itself but what makes it even more fucked up is that this disproportionately affects people who already have financial troubles to begin with and probably can't afford that $3,333 price tag Um, but they purchase it anyway because they want to prove to many that they are worthy and good and open to receiving more of it or or whatever and it's it's actually really messed up and it's a it's a predatory thing to do and like so many companies and brands prey on us in this way right they prey on our money status psychology but they don't do it with this promise of like if you buy this item or service um, God is gonna love you and you know you'll be embodying like rich bitch energy or whatever (laughs) right that's like next level psychological manipulation that goes beyond just wanting your money um, um, to work for you and 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 more into like um a coercive control or sorry it, it goes beyond just just um like encouraging you to have like a expansive or abundant mindset and, and more into like coercive control with the intention of creating codependency which I I talk about in in that bonus Patreon episode I was mentioning. It's It's a pattern of behavior that we see in a lot of these new age spiritual teachers and coaches, which is an abusive power dynamic. So energetically, what's going on beneath the veil of the money cult is a whole lot of spiritual materialism. I've talked about spiritual materialism before. I have a whole podcast on it. Definitely give it a listen if this term is new to you. But in a nutshell, spiritual materialism is the pursuit of spirituality through materialism, which is a very prosperity gospel thing to do is uh, spiritualize success and, and sanctify wealth. So when these money cult ambassadors tell you that your desire to become a multimillionaire is planted in your heart from God or from the universe, they are encouraging you to engage in spiritual materialism. And what are the consequences of that? Well, spiritual materialism comes from the ego mind. It's a way for the ego to anchor itself to material objects in order to establish its sense of identity, its sense of separateness, its sense of superiority. And material objects don't just mean physical objects, but they also are desires and needs and wants and all of that. It's anything outside of like your being in the periphery of your being. And energetically, what what happens when you engage in this kind of money worship that is encouraged is that that object uh, and that anchor point for the ego becomes money. So the ego is basically using money to establish its sense of self 
<clears throat> excuse me, and its identity. And this is very dangerous um, because money itself is an illusion, right? From this perspective, um, from this perspective, money is an illusion because it, it comes and goes. There's no permanence. And the only reason it means anything is because we give it meaning. So your sense of identity and yourself becomes attached to an illusion and you're you're basically organizing your entire sense of self and your reality around something that is as elusive and impermanent as money and that becomes your cult identity and spiritual materialists will argue that oh it you know i'm i'm here as a soul and i get to play in the material world why not well yes but mind is mind like everyone has the same mechanisms of the mind and what i know about the mind is that when it attaches to an object of impermanence there is no real fulfillment that could ever come from that ever because it's not a real thing in a sense that it's not it's not truth right it's not truth with a capital t and that brings a lot of suffering because there is a constant hankering and clinging and grasping for more and more and more and more and the more you get the more you want And you have to ask yourself if there's freedom in that. If there's actual deep soul fulfillment and liberation that comes from that. And I mean, I'm going to assume that if you're listening to my podcast, if you're in my community, you are a sincere spiritual seeker who is seeking that soul fulfillment and that soul liberation. And this is not, money worship It is not the path to that. <laughs> I can guarantee you that much. I don't guarantee things often, but I can guarantee you that money worship is not the path to the kind of inner freedom that you're looking for. And look, I've never been a multimillionaire, um, but I have experienced my mind in craving and an attachment to a vanity metric and your income is a vanity metric um especially in the way that like it's talked about in this space and and when i and i know that when my mind is in this kind of craving and attachment to a vanity metric it's created a lot of suffering for me so whether you're hanging, hankering after money or more followers or more likes, it's the same mechanism. It's the same pleasure pain loop. And every time you do hit that number, you get a dopamine hit. And then you just want to experience that again. And when you don't, you spiral. Like I've been there, y'all. And I'm sure you have too. I mean, I'm sure your mind has chased some kind of vanity metric that you think is going to fulfill you. 
And when you get it, what happens? You might have a brief temporary fulfillment, but is it that deep soul fulfillment that you that you crave? No. And when you realize that no, I mean, it creates a lot of suffering, especially if you associate that vanity metric with your self-worth. Then you're like, you're fucked. And... You could tell by the way that these manifestation money coaches talk about money that they're not really fulfilled. Like I could tell. I could tell that's what's going on when they talk about how they're like constantly trying to hit that next income level. And they then they pretend like, you know, they celebrate that because it's abundant and, and limitless and all of that. Um, and, you know... It's true, like you can make an unlimited amount of money. So why not make more and more and more and more and more of it? I mean, you can, but that's not contentment. That is a mind that is deep in the black hole of spiritual materialism, which is an abyss. And... Like, I just see this so much. Uh, like, for example, just um, Ashay, I, 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 one of the coaches that I expose, um, she had this post where she was like, she, she put a screenshot of her monthly earnings and they were like six figures. And she had her caption about how she's like, you know, she normalized the six figures so much and then she started like feeling a lot of shame because she wasn't hitting those same numbers as she was at one point in her business and she was like, oh, but then I remembered like, you know, I I have to just access that place in myself that feels excited that's like, it's like, whoa, girl, like you literally are talking about how you feel shame and you're not excited about a hundred and sixty thousand dollar month um, because it's not a three hundred and fifty dollar thousand dollar month. Like that is the thing that is causing you shame. Whoa! Like that is that's really bad. That's like. I mean, I I kind of have been there. Like I said, it. I haven't been there with money, but I've been there with other vanity metrics around like my um, around social media I, I really do see them as the same exact thing it's the same mechanism so it's like you constantly have to hype yourself up and force yourself to be in this excited high vibe state because that's what you think is making you money because you've organized your entire reality around it or around these games that you have to play with yourself and other people like, I feel bad for you. You are suffering. And like I said, like, I know that experience. And I know what it does to my nervous system. And I know what it has done to my mental health. I've had literally nervous breakdowns over a freaking post that 
I was so counting on like being a hit post and it got like such few likes. Like I've literally had nervous breakdowns over it back when I was like so caged in and all of this. So I can't even imagine if that was my income and that I needed to hit like a certain income level or a certain level of likes just to be able to pay for a very expensive lifestyle that I've I've caged myself in like honestly that sounds like hell in my mind a little hell that I created for myself so energetically what's happening when you engage in spiritual materialism with money as your definitive anchor point is you a cultivate a money cult identity right because that's what cults do they deconstruct your personhood so that it becomes easier to manipulate and control you and then b you become addicted to making money because you're constantly experiencing these fluctuations these highs and lows these dopamine hits and crashes and money is the thing that activates the reward centers of your brain in this very like uh, inconsistent way so it's literally like gambling because the nature of your job is so unstable and it depends solely on you and your high vibe energy or whatever that it becomes a lot like a simulated gambling experience and this is your life this is your every day like can you imagine No one talks about how awful this is for your mental health. And that's what I don't appreciate about these coaches. Because it's like, look, if if you've chosen this lifestyle and you've decided that it's worth it for you, great. Like, I'm happy for you if that's what you want. But don't fucking mislead people, okay? Like, that post that I don't know if you remember or you saw, but it's, um, I don't know how to say her handle. It's, it's, it's. Exogenji, I don't know what Stephanie something. She had this post about how she had like four mental breakdowns that day and she signed she showed up for her client calls or whatever. And I mean it was meant to be a funny post. She was probably exaggerating and like for a comedic effect. And I and I get that. She was trying to be funny about it, but it's not really that funny when it's true. It's not funny because it's true. <laughs> And there were people in the comment section saying like, oh yeah, haha, I had so many mental breakdowns last week. Like, y'all, this is not healthy. <laughs> so even though there might be perks to being in the money cult, like, yeah, you get this expensive, luxurious lifestyle experience and you get to travel first class and you have all this material wealth, it comes at a pretty steep cost to your mental health and no one talks about that no one talks about the dark side of the money cult which is basically you're you're selling your soul to capitalism i mean that's kind of a cliche statement but it's true like you don't have soul fulfillment and like i just wish that they were more honest about that um, so someone asked me like, oh, is, you know, <laughs> I love this question. It was so, it was just so like innocent and it was just coming from such a like pure place. And I really appreciated this person for asking, but they were like, 
I want money because I also want nice things and I really want to travel. Is that bad? No, of course it's not bad. It's not bad to want money. For most people, money is survival. So how could that be bad? Right? For most people, money is access to a, a, a comfortable living situation. Like that's not bad. But we're not talking about having enough money to survive or to live comfortably. We're talking about money worship. We're talking about a money cult. Okay, money worship does not lead to spiritual liberation. It leads to spiritual materialism. You cannot buy inner freedom, right? It's an inside job. And it certainly does not come from attaching your self-worth to your net worth, which is what the money cult encourages. And that's what's so disempowering about it. You cannot expect to be liberated through a system that is designed to keep you disconnected, to keep you so disconnected from reality that you need to gaslight yourself and others constantly just to keep doing what you're doing. So... It's not bad to want money. What's bad is when you spiritualize money. What's bad is when you sanctify money. When you use money to establish your place of power and status in a social hierarchy. Because this inherently requires you to exploit others. Not because you're necessarily like, you know, trying to or because you want to or because you're in this evil person. But because of the way that our consumer-based economy is set up to give certain social groups more purchasing power than others. These are the realities that you cannot ignore. And people who ignore this reality, they are either ignorant or they're in cognitive dissonance or they're dishonest, which makes them financial predators or all of the above. So part of having financial liberation and financial, um, yeah, like financial liberation is, is about dealing with reality and working with the facts of life so that you, so that you actually optimize your chances of success if you want to be in business instead of spending like $3,333 on a manifestation program that teaches you how to magically think your way into financial prosperity. And I get that there's a lot of other like inner work that goes on and mindset is important too, but it's not magic. Like what's happening underneath that is not magic. It's a high risk, high reward situation similar to gambling that requires for your nervous system to be in a constant state of of flight or fight just to keep playing. And like I said, maybe for some people that's worth it and that's fine. But just be fucking honest. Instead of joking about how you had four mental breakdowns and haha, that's so normal when you're an entrepreneur. Just keep going and showing up. Why don't you talk about what it's really like, what it really took to get to those six, seven figure months, what you had to sacrifice, what your daily actual experience in your fucking mind is like. When you sleep, when you put your head down on the pillow at night, are you at peace? Are you restful? Why don't you talk about that? Why don't you just stop misleading people and instead give them the whole scope and the picture so that they could decide if that's what they really want to sign up for? Because a lot of people sign up for this shit not knowing that. 
they're not prepared for it and they go into crisis mental health crisis like come on like are, are you are you really a mental health advocate if you're joking about having mental breakdowns and you're not giving people honesty no they're not mental health advocates they're fucking money cult ambassadors and they will do whatever it takes to convince you that manifestation works okay even though they're making money off of convincing you that manifestation works like that's how they're making their money like it's just such a mind fuck so that is kind of my rant about that so what is like an ethical way to go about this okay so the ethical self-help portion of this which which really is about um is really about having an authentic relationship with money and I, I just want to like mention this because it it's just it, it's kind of a um uh sorry I got I got I lost my train of thought um something about relationship oh okay yeah so this is a little bit of like a um metaphysical like perspective and it's it's something that I just want to mention just as a perspective um but I just feel that like if you have a relationship with money or or rather if you feel that um you know you you're trying to cultivate a certain relationship with money you've kind of already lost like you you're you're kind of already headed down the path of spiritual materialism because um, relationships are objects, right? They they are external to your being, and so is money. Like these are these are objects. So so if you're trying to manipulate any sort of relationship with money, that in itself is already kind of a distortion. So I just want to mention that. But um, you know, we do talk about having an authentic relationship with money and it's more about how you relate to money. It's not a relationship construct that you have with money. It's more about how you relate to it. And there's like a pretty like important like nuance there um, that I'm not really get going to get too into right now, but just to kind of like put it out there and plant the seed. So what do I mean when I say having an authentic relationship with money? Or rather, relating to money in an authentic way. So it's really about um, um, taking ownership over like your projections and your judgments and your hopes and your fears around money, which starts with looking at the meaning that you attribute to money. Okay? And... Like, I'm not a money coach, right? Like, I'm just sharing my experience. Um, it, whatever relationship you have with money it is part of your journey and it is what it is, okay? Like, there's nothing inherently bad about it unless it's causing you distress. And if you're at a stage where you're like, yeah, I, just, I really just really, really want more money, I mean, there's no shame in that. Okay, it's, it's, it's not, it's just, it's being honest about 
what that wanting is actually fulfilling for you. Is it leading to that fulfillment that you crave? Like if so, that's great. But if not, it's worth investigating what meaning you're giving to money and if that's serving you. Okay, if that's helping you reach your goals, whether those are your financial goals, your psychological goals, or your spiritual goals, are you telling yourself one thing, but your reality is another? Are you gaslighting yourself? Are you in cognitive dissonance? Right, it's, it's worth looking into all of that. And I look at how money shows up in all of the domains of my life and how I relate to it and like I said like I still have work to do with my money stuff like everyone else but I'm definitely conscious to not put money on a pedestal and not attribute more meaning to money than what it really is which is an economic resource for trading goods and services Money does not define me, it does not refine me, it does not reflect anything about how good or worthy I am. I don't need to anthropomorphize money in order to make, keep, or receive more of it. I don't look at money as an extension of my personhood. It doesn't say anything about my relationship to myself or others and I certainly don't need to have a disordered relationship with money to appreciate it. In fact, I appreciate and respect money enough to not have a disordered relationship with it. So beyond just looking at your money stories and your money trauma and the way that money was, you know, talked about or used when you were growing up, it's also recognizing how money is a function of survival within a system that literally operates like a cult. And this is what I talked about in the beginning of this episode. It's, it's how each of us have internalized these money cult dynamics as part of our collective consciousness. And this is really like our, the collective shadow work which is about decolonizing our relationship with money. So it's firstly recognizing that the way we use money now in society is very much based on white supremacist ideologies that seek to dominate, control, objectify, subjugate others based on race and class. And it's also recognizing that it makes it very difficult for any one of us to have a healthy relationship with money in a culture that promotes money worship. So I would go so far as to say that we're all a little traumatized by money. Or rather, we're traumatized in the way that we've been using money in our society. Okay, we live in an extremely classist society. Um, These class-based hierarchies are incredibly anti-human and we've just sort of arbitrarily um, determined who is more worthy of nice things in a comfortable life and we decided that very unfairly in the first place. So part of decolonizing your relationship with money is unlearning harmful paradigms that 
that use money in a, in a way to create separation between classes and create the elite and then and then learning and adopting a more egalitarian worldview that sees people as equals instead of separated by wealth and power and privilege and status because of money so so it's really about acknowledging how money is used to divide instead of unify people in our society and then once you do acknowledge that it's deciding like what you are doing or not doing about it right and then it becomes a practice of really just finding your place in all of that and i and i can't really speak to anything more more specifically um because it you know to have a more like specific conversation i would have to like talk i would have to have um i would have to have more context but like i said in the beginning um it's important to see ourselves as not outside of it but within it because then we can look at you know how we're contributing to it right how are we contributing to these inequality generating systems where are you making a conscious effort to not participate in it because sometimes we have to participate in it right because it's all that exists and we have to survive and we have no other choice and there's no blame in that there's no shame in that but regardless um we can still choose not to worship money we can choose not to glorify it and sanctify it and put it on a pedestal and idealize or idolize people who have lots of it and if we are making that choice then look at you know are my actions reflecting that is the way that i'm showing up reflecting that um so i don't know where you are in all of this who knows we're like we have such different i mean we're all at such different stages on this journey but it's you know it's not about like where you're at it's not there's no destination of having this like perfectly healed relationship with money it's more about moving through it um more ethically in a way that is authentic um to us so i don't know i don't know what to just don't scam people i guess (laughs) and um uh, be very very skeptical of teachers and coaches who encourage you to worship money who engage in money worship themselves who talk about money as if it's a deity and who anthropomorphize money as if it were a lover or a beloved um that is gonna lead you down a path that you may not intend on so that's it for today i think um i don't know i I feel like i just kind of rambled i hope you got something out of that um i hope that you learned something or that it gave you a new insight or maybe validated what you kind of already knew but maybe you needed the reminder um 
yeah, that's it. I, I, I'm going to probably have a corresponding newsletter for this on my Substack, And obviously this is just kind of, I mean, it's just so surface level and there's a lot more about it. And I'd love to have more conversations about it, keep the conversations going. Um, so maybe this is more of like a starting point for us or rather we, we had a starting point. This is more of a continuation. Um, so yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to my Substack so that you don't miss the newsletter. Um, and if you want to listen to my bonus episode on abusive power and leadership, um, I talk about how coercive control leads to codependency. Um, my Patreon is where you want to go for that. So as always, my DMs are open for any questions. I'm a little bit behind on my DMs at the moment. So I might it might take me a little while to respond. But I do have like a Q&A for my Patreon subscribers to ask me anything. And I also host a live uh, virtual office hours once a month if you want to pick my brain. So all of the links will be in my show notes. And I'm, I have some additional... Um, resources and further reading for you in there as well so definitely check out the show notes thank you again for listening and engaging and showing up and supporting my work with your time and attention and i'll talk to you soon bye thanks so much for listening to this episode of the authentic life podcast if you liked this episode please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends on social media just don't forget to tag me at seeking with satwa on instagram seeking with satwa is an international spiritual development brand that has helped thousands of seekers heal grow and consciously evolve on their journeys to learn more about my work, to sign up for my authentic life newsletter, to read my blog posts, or to work with me one-on-one, visit my website at seekingwithsatwa.com. Stay tuned for some exciting new updates, offerings, and guest speakers coming your way soon. Until next time, keep going, keep growing, keep seeking and speaking your truth so that you can finally live an authentic life. Thank you.